recently um, from a heart attack as complications of COVID and you have our deepest sympathies. You're in our prayers. Matthew 22nd chapter, the first 14 verses, Jesus is speaking and he says, once more Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. And again, he sent other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatted calf have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away. One on his farm and the other to his business. While the rest seized the slaves and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged and he sent his troops, destroyed the murderers and burned their city. Then he said to the slaves, the wedding is ready but those invited are not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not weeping, not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And from the 32nd chapter of Exodus, today comes the story often known to us as the golden calf. But there's much more happening in this story than a golden calf. When the people of Israel saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us. Who shall go before us? As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. 
And Aaron said to them, Take off your gold rings that are on your ears and on the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off their gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them and formed it into a mold and cast the image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way I have commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was evil intent that brought them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Change your mind. Do not bring disaster upon your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like stars of the heaven and will, and all this land that I have promised will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been or do you remember being in a car with a small child going on a trip and having them say... Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? This is Israel's are we there yet moment. They're like a bunch of little children on a car trip, on a journey, waiting to get there and are so impatient and fickle that they can hardly stand the fact that they're asked to wait at the bottom of a mountain for God's very word to come to them. 
Now, in my family, there's a great story about, you know, we live all my grown-up years in St. Clairsville, and my mom's family was all on the eastern panhandle in Martinsburg. Go Musselman High. Elizabeth Conley, graduate of Musselman High, as is Mary Harley. And um, we would get in the car to go to my grandmother's house. And I would start in St. Clairsville with, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And mom would say to me, just go to sleep. And when you wake up, we'll be at grandma's house. Now, I will remind you that my family's method for teething with babies is brandy. So I'm not quite sure how it was that I went to sleep in St. Clairsville and didn't wake up until five hours later in Martinsburg. But this is how the story goes. That I went to sleep, and when we woke up, I was close to Grandma's house, and I'd go, oh, see, it's not very far to Grandma's house. I don't know why I was worried. The Israelites are worried. Moses is on the mountain for 40 days. They start to panic. They don't know what to do. Last night on CNN, there was a breaking news headline. said, the CDC has done a report that says people are anxious and depressed. I turned to the person that I was watching that news with and said, is this really news? Did we have to do a report on it? Did it take a big survey to figure this out? We're all anxious and depressed. We're in this time right now where things are weird. We all want this virus to go away. And we're waiting for the time when we can look and say it's gone and go... And stop saying, are we there yet? The Israelites don't know how to relate to God without Moses. Moses is literally the intermediary between the people and God. They can't speak directly to God. God speaks to Moses. Moses speaks to them. Without him, they have lost contact with God. What to do, what to do. And they're at the foot of the mountain for 40 days without their leader, without someone to help them communicate with God. And they start to get anxious and they start to get depressed and they know they need a God. Something deep inside them is stirring, saying, Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? And by the way, we're out in the desert, wandering around, don't know where we are. Are we there yet? What to do? So here's the thing they do. They decide that rather than worship the Creator, they will create their own God. 
They displace the true God for a God of their making. And ooh, God is ticked. God does not care for this one little bit. Four times in this little text it says God's anger burned against the people. God is so mad that when Moses goes to intervene on their behalf, he says, God says, the, Moses says, God, these are your people. You've brought them out of Egypt. You've been with us all along. You've made all these promises to us. And God says, not my people, your people. I was in my office one day. A friend of mine was there. She got a call from the school about her middle school son. He had done something that middle school boys do that was ornery and rotten. And her wrath burned against him. And she got off the phone and she called her husband and she said to him, You need to talk to your son. This is, what Mo- this is what Moses and God are doing. God says, you need to talk to your people, because right now they're not my people. And Moses reminds them. Moses talks back to God. Moses reminds God, no, these really are your people. You've made us promises. You've brought us out of Egypt. You've been good to us. Moses recites the litany of all the things that God has done for the people. And you think, why aren't they reciting this liturgy to themselves at the base of the mountain? There are things they could be doing for themselves to quell their anxiety, to help their depression, to make them feel more connected to the God of the universe, not the God that they've created. And part of the answer to this lies in this word, it's a great word. That it says, when they got the calf all put together, that they reveled. They reveled. I don't know when the Ten Commandments was done. Probably the 50s, right? I don't know. Um, 60s, maybe. 50 what? It's like 57. 57, okay. So if that, if that movie were redone now, and if you watch that movie, the, the cast that they create is like this big. It's as big as this thing. And there's a big stone altar that they put on it, big enough that there's like three half-naked women laying across the thing and whatever. And, you know, if they did that movie now, though, they would really show that when they were reveling, this was like an orgy that they were having. There was food and drink and sex and fun and craziness going on all over the place because they're worshiping this calf. By the way, they think the calf was probably about this big. Um... Reveling. Reveling is indulging in self. 
as opposed to indulging in God. Now, we don't think of worship usually that way. We don't think of worship as indulging in God, but we could. This is a God who's made us promises, who's brought us out of Egypt, who's done everything God can to protect us, provided us food and water when we had none, even when we griped and moaned about it. And yet we choose our own self-indulgent, self-created God. Now, here's the part where I change from preaching to meddling. You know that expression? When a preacher changes from, changes from preaching to meddling, it's time to pull the trap door. I'm going to do it anyway. Some of y'all listen need to stay at home during a pandemic. If you are one of those people who is older, who has health problems, who is afraid of this virus, who is not wanting to sit next to your neighbor for fear of what they might have, please stay home. Please stay home. You cannot worship if you are worried about what's happening around you. Did y'all hear me say that? Because we're going to get complaints later on this week that I told people to come to church if they were sick. I did not say that. I said, if you are concerned about this virus, please stay home. But, if you are a person, and I know there are many in this world who is doing everything normally in your life, going to work, going out to eat, going to your friends' houses, going to your social clubs, going to your charitable organizations, going to your kids' school events. And the one thing that you haven't put back in your life is church, I strongly recommend you consider getting yourself back here. Because here's what's going to happen. In not too much time, you're going to forget that you belong here. You're going to forget that this is the place where we find God and connect with God and remember God's promises and celebrate God and celebrate God's moving in our lives together and love one another in community and learn to be God's people together, then you're going to get anxious and depressed and worried and frightened because your world doesn't make sense anymore. And then you start to do crazy things, creating your own God in the revelry of self-indulgence. And money, sex, and power rise to the top of your lists. Beloved, no, we are not there yet. 
but God is with us on this journey. Don't forget. Don't fall victim to the nervousness and anxiety that comes when you can't see that, obviously. Live as the people of God, surrounded in God's love, true to God's promises, and always faithful. Amen.